Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the October 13th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Our show is brought to you by the Security Federal Bank. One of the best ways to support Local Matters is to support Security Federal. They have 17 locations between Columbia County, Georgia, and Columbia, South Carolina. And whether you own your own business, you're an individual who needs a home improvement loan or a car loan, if you're a church or nonprofit organization, Security Federal would like the opportunity to serve you. The other best way to support Local Matters is to tell all your friends and family about us and to catch any episode you may have missed. Uh, they are all at my website, that is janiceallenjackson.weebly.com under the Local Matters tab. Uh, you can always go there, listen, and share those episodes. Today, my guest is Mr. Doug Freeman. He is Deputy Executive Director of the Augusta Housing Authority. And we're going to talk about what's happening in the world of public housing. We're going to talk about the shortage of affordable housing and all those sorts of things. But before I get to that, I want to remind you that it is now time for the November 2nd special election in Augusta and local elections for Hepzibah and Blythe, which are the other two cities that are located inside of Richmond County. If you would like to vote early, early voting has already begun. Early voting started on October 12th, which was yesterday. And it will go uh, Monday through Saturday up until the election on November 2nd. So um, if you're in Augusta, there's only one item on the ballot, and that is whether you support bonds for the James Brown Arena. I believe the amount of those bonds is $240 million. And of course, there are some consequences if uh, the bonds are approved, because that means it's got to be paid back. So the public is being asked whether or not they support this. So again, please exercise your right to vote between now and November 2nd. Local Matters family, uh, today we have a program that I have very much been looking forward to providing to you. Uh, I, I have been very interested in this idea of housing, homelessness, the cost of housing, just how things have evolved in our community. And I have invited the Deputy Executive Director of the Augusta Housing Authority to be with us. He is Mr. Douglas Freeman. He is with us today. Uh, and please kind of connect the dots with this show and a couple of past shows I've done. Uh, I did one show just talking about 
you know, homelessness and how uh, that has grown across the country, in particular in our area. Did another show with Commissioner Dennis Williams from Augusta, and he talked about some of the efforts that the city is undertaking to serve people who are currently experiencing homelessness. And I had another show where I had real estate broker Joe Edge talk about just the price of housing in the area and talked about some of the upscale housing that we're now seeing being developed in the downtown area, how that uh, has influenced and shaped the housing market and those sorts of things. So today we're going to go from it from a different end. We're going to talk public housing. Uh, Doug, I'm so happy to have you with me today. How are you doing? I am doing great. And I'm excited to be here and uh, share this information with you and your uh, your listeners. Yes, yes, we are very excited to have you because I think the Housing Authority, quite frankly, is sort of a secret in our community. People don't fully understand what they do and how it works. So thanks for being with us to explain it. But before we get into that, I want to ask you to tell us a little bit about how you get to where you are. How does one become Deputy Executive Director of the Augusta Housing Authority? That was kind of a a crazy ride for me. So um, I've been here in Augusta for just under 20 years, uh, but I actually started in housing in North Carolina, uh, in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, And I actually started there in their construction side. They they had a department called operations that did a did various construction projects. So I did project management for that and grant management for that department. Um, I held several positions there and eventually became their director of information technology. Uh, and that's how I made it to Augusta. As, uh, there was an opportunity that opened up here in Augusta and uh, I moved my family. I had two young kids and a wife at the time and we moved here and I've been doing IT work for the Augusta Housing Authority for a good number of years. One of the nice things about IT is that uh, it gets involved in all aspects of a uh, agency like this. There's not a single department that I wasn't involved in learning about that department and how the programs work so that I could support them uh, from a software and hardware side. And so uh, a few years ago, uh, my boss, uh, Mr. Jacob Oglesby, the executive director, uh, recognized the need for somebody that could kind of tie a lot of these different departments together and handle some of the issues that, frankly, that uh, that we don't always have time to deal with. And so uh, that's how I became the, the deputy executive director. Uh, but it was mostly about learning all the different aspects of, of public housing and Section 8 and that sort of thing and how we do things here in Augusta. All right. Very good. Well, I was glad to have you here uh, in your role in uh, assisting Mr. Oglesby and his team sort of pull everything together. Uh, One of the first points I want to get across, if you want you to help us get across, is um, how the Housing Authority is governed. Uh, I know you have a board of directors, and I do know that by Georgia law, it is the mayor of the city that appoints board members. Um, but can you tell me a little bit about how many you have, how long their terms are, and those sorts of things? Yeah, absolutely. So um, generally speaking, you're, you're absolutely correct. The Georgia state law is what uh, authorizes a housing authority to exist. And so um, back in 19, I believe it was 37, the uh, 
city of Augusta passed a, a resolution saying that there was a need for affordable housing in the area and, that, and thus created the housing authority. Um, and, and as you mentioned, state law says that the mayor of the municipality is who appoints the board. And we currently have uh, six board members, uh, I'm sorry, seven board members, one of which is required to be a resident of either public housing or section eight. Um, so that way we make sure that we have uh, a representation from the people that we serve on our board. So the mayor appoints those board and typically those terms are, I believe for, uh, I believe they're three years, I'd have to double check that. Um, and the resident commissioner is appointed one year at a time. Uh, that way, if a resident leaves the program, then they can appoint a new resident commissioner in that case. Um, generally, the board is made up of people that have various types of experience uh, in the community. Uh, they generally have ties to the community. They have various business experience, financial experience. There's uh, quite a wide array of experiences that our board members serve. Uh, the board members then are responsible for the governance of the housing authority. They are the members that vote on and set policies. Um, they hire and uh, the executive director and then the executive director is generally giving uh, the, uh, the task of hiring his own staff uh, all the way down from me as deputy executive director down to uh, any of the clerks that we have working in the offices or, or maintenance guys working out in the field. Um, in this case, our, our, we have multiple departments. We have a management department that manages the public housing program. We have a maintenance department that uh, maintains those units. We have a finance department, an information technology department. Uh, we have a section eight or a housing choice voucher department. We also have a couple of specialty departments, one of which is planning and development. Uh, and then finally, we have a resident services department. So these different departments are headed up by directors who report to, directly to the executive director. Um, and that's kind of the structure of how the housing authority does business. Okay. And about how many employees, you mentioned all of those functions, mm -hmm. about how many employees does the housing authority have? We fluctuate a little bit, but it's usually right around 115 employees. 100, 115. That's correct. And this question, are you all considered federal employees, local employees, exactly what are housing authority? Who, where do your check come from? We're, we're kind of in a gray area there. So we are federally funded, but we are considered a local government entity or we're an authority of the state. Um, we're not state employees, we're not federal employees, but we're authorized to exist by state law. We're funded by the federal government. Um, so the best way to describe it is local government employees, but we, we don't work for the city uh, or the county. We don't work for the state. We don't work for federal government. We, we exist kind of outside of all of those. Okay. Yeah, that is kind of a weird space out there, but, but okay, so I got one it. Of the, one of the terms I like to use is quasi-government employees. So. You're quasi-government employees. All yeah. right, that is great. So, and tell me just generally overview of the housing authority. How many public housing units are there in Richmond County now? Uh, 
we manage and maintain approximately 1,800 public housing units. Okay, and that does not include those individuals who are currently in Section 8 arrangements? That is correct. The public housing program is entirely separate from the Section 8 program. Okay, and do you have a, a number of how many are in Section 8? So we have currently uh, right about 4,200 Section 8 vouchers that are available to us. And uh, I don't have the latest numbers, but somewhere around 3,800 of those are actually occupied right now. Okay. All right. So our, our Section 8 program is roughly twice the size of our public housing program. Okay. And, and I would not have guessed that. So thanks for, for sharing that with us. And is there, is there some formula for how it's decided as to whether a resident or family winds up in Section 8 versus public housing, or is it just sort of depends on what's available at that time? Um, so it's entirely the choice of the resident uh, or the applicant at that point. Um, but it's based on availability of the waiting list being open. Um, so there's a great need for assistance and housing in our area. And so when we open up a waiting list, it usually gets multiple thousand people apply within the first few days. So we can't leave the list open all the time. Uh, so I, I believe the last time we opened up our Section 8 waiting list, we received a little over 8,000 applicants on there. So then we closed the waiting list and while we process and work our way down that list. Uh, once that number gets lower again, then we'll open it back up. Uh, same thing with the public housing side. So the while the applicant gets to choose whether they would prefer to receive public housing or Section 8, they can only apply when those lists are open. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so that's a total of, you said 1,800 plus 3,800. That number is what? I don't have my calculator out yet. Uh, it's uh, 48, 50, roughly, roughly 5,600. Okay. All right. So the housing authority, Augusta Housing Authority is now touching on 50, 600 households, mm -hmm. basically, in terms of assisting with housing. And then you've got the, the waiting list um, with, with people there who are waiting for housing too. Okay. And let me ask this question. I know public housing has changed a lot. And that's one of the reasons I want to do this show to sort of catch up with, with the changes that are taking place. There are some traditional, what I call traditional public housing complexes that used to be in Augusta when I was growing up um, that aren't here anymore. Um, you think the former Sunset Homes that became Cherry Tree, now there's the new development there that's a part of a public-private partnership. Um, is that partnership, I think it's Walton on the Green, is that right? Walton Green, that's correct. Walton Green. Is that in that 1800 or is that a totally separate number? That's actually a totally separate number. So, okay. Um, when the Walton Green communities were first built, and this also includes Walton Oaks, which is on the site of the former Underwood Homes, um, it included some public housing units, some uh, project-based voucher units, which is part of the Section 8 program. It also included some units which are 
they're called tax credit units. Uh, mm -hmm. They were funded via low income housing tax credits, uh, as well as a handful of market rate units in there. So the idea being there's a whole mixed income uh, community living together uh, from the, the lowest incomes to the, the, the standard higher incomes. Um, and so about two years ago, those public housing units that were in those sites converted to a different program called RAD or Rental Assistance Demonstration. They are still governed by a lot of the same rules as far as uh, uh, rent being determined by their income, uh, that, that you have to be below a, a certain level of income to qualify them. Uh, but the funding comes from a different source. Instead of coming from the public housing or the Section 8 office of HUD, it comes from the multifamily office of HUD. And that was just a way of, of kind of stabilizing the, the, the subsidies coming from HUD by moving those to that program. Okay. So that number of 5,600 that we talked about earlier is actually bigger. There, there are that more people more households that you, than you that you touch. Okay. That's correct. So just as an example, Walton Green currently has uh, two buildings, one of them with 80 units, one of them with 90 units, so 170 units there. And we're getting ready to break ground on the final phase of that, which is uh, an additional 250 units. So there'll be a total of 420 units out there once that, uh, that is fully constructed. And then the other uh, complex that was actually first um, before that, when you mentioned the former Underwood Homes and now it's Walton Oaks, I understand that's been a very successful partnership and that also provides, I would think, a couple hundred housing units too. Right. I believe there are 300, roughly 330 units out there at Walton Oaks. And it's a very similar breakdown where it's got tax credits, it's got a uh, the RAD units, it's got project-based vouchers and, and uh, traditional vouchers as well. So when Walton Green is completed, you're looking at well over 6,000 units that the Housing Authority will have some role in in our community. That's correct. Wow. That's okay. Correct. That, that is great. Um, and as we talked about, you know, in preparation for the show, we talked some about um, again, traditional housing, you know, when I was growing up and like most of us, I guess when we were growing up, if we're over a certain age, we got a little gray hair. What we recall is that there was the projects. And um, I remember reading some, you know, going back probably to my college days about how the thinking became that having large numbers of uh poor people all congregate together wasn't necessarily a good idea. And then you started, I moved back to Augusta and found out that several of those traditional projects, in quotes, had been uh, demolished. Uh, one of those was Gilbert Holmes, of course, for the expansion of the Medical College of Georgia. Uh, one, uh, I think, Underwood had already been torn down when I got back and then Cherry Tree was torn down right after I, I got here. So um, you see changes and I'm sure that theory about, you know, what's best for low income residents is part of it. But I would also imagine there's some other factors at play. Could you talk some about what some of those are? Yeah, so 
part of it is that, so Augusta Housing Authority has the distinction of being the oldest housing authority in the state of Georgia. We were the very first housing authority established. Um, and with that means that some of our public housing developments are also some of the oldest in the state of Georgia. Uh, so when you have um, an apartment complex that was built back in you know, 1939 or 1940, um, it's seen a lot of wear and tear. Um, there were also way different building standards back there, back then, as far as the number of uh, bathrooms that you would want for a bedroom or the size of an apartment, uh, you know, the size of a bedroom and how many people you would want to fit in there. I mean, just in general, things have changed over the years. And so when we go back and look at some of that oldest, those oldest properties, um, some of them aren't, uh, especially Gilbert Manor was one and Underwood Homes, where they weren't viable anymore from a usability standpoint. They needed so much work to bring them up to date as far as construction standards and meeting modern building codes, um, that the only real way to do it was to tear them down and start from scratch. Um, there's also been a change in, like you mentioned, the mindset of how do we house uh, low-income families. And when public housing first began, the idea was as dense as possible, build the, 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 the standard barrack style or row style housing where you have 10 or 12 apartments all in one building, side by side townhomes. And you, there's not a great um, quality of life, I guess, when, you, when you're having that many people stacked on top of each other in little bitty tiny apartments, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, if we were to go today to go look for an apartment to live in on the private market, you don't find that style apartment because that's not what people want. That's not what people need to, to thrive. And so when we look at a development, we look at several different things. We look at, okay, first off, how much would it cost? Uh, is it cost effective for us to do a renovation or is it time to tear down and start over again? And if we're gonna do that, then let's, let's say it is cost effective to renovate, then is the style of housing that's there now, is that still gonna be marketable? Do people wanna live there? Do people not want to live there? Even if it's brand new, are we going to have a hard time filling it? Um, and so we look at those uh, items as well. And then we also look at the community that it's in. Does residential property fit inside this area? And so one example of that, you mentioned Gilbert Manor uh, being sold. The way the college was expanding, it was going to, that property was going to be surrounded by the school. And is that really where we want uh, our, our family's living inside of a school area like that. And then you add on top of the fact that that was the third oldest property that we had. It was in a, a state of disrepair, needed a lot of money added to it. It made more sense for us to sell that property and use the funds from the sale of that property to develop newer housing. Uh, so for example, the elderly housing on Twig Circle uh, called Powell Point, which was just built a few years ago, that was almost entirely funded from the sale of Gilbert Manor. Um, some of the funds from Gilbert Manor also went to, uh, to help with when we redeveloped Underwood Homes into Walton Oaks. So we used the money from that to, to develop new, modern, and uh, affordable housing for families. And I thank you for making that point because 
I, I know there was some consternation about, you know, tearing down Gilbert Homes and also the role that the city played because the city helped, I think, at some point finance some of that. Um, there was some controversy in the community about it. But what you're saying is you all were able to take the money you received in order to develop some newer, better housing. Um, I have actually been in PowerPoint. I was there the day of the grand opening. So I took okay. a tour through some of the units and I thought, wow, this is really, really nice. Uh, the units themselves are. And also it represents a net improvement to what was in that area. Um, because as you know, on that card, I think everybody's familiar um, because of the age of the housing stock, lack of investment by landlords, et cetera, you know, it was easier for landlords just to tear it down and try to fix up what was around there. So you wound up with a lot of vacant and abandoned lots and things. So PowerPoint really came in and, and, and fit in very well with that neighborhood. Right. One of the things I love about PowerPoint is the fact that uh, unless you know that those units are public housing, then you can't tell. Yeah, I mean, you don't there, know. I you mean, really there is don't. a sign up there, but the 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 style of construction fit in so well with the surrounding community that other than the fact that they were newer than some of the units around them, but even that's not true anymore because there's been some new new construction and renovations that, that's happened around there, but it, it, it blended in well with the community. And that, that was kind of what we were going for with that design there. Okay. And as you talk about finance, and we know money dictates everything, uh, just dictates it. So you sell uh, Gilbert Manor, you reinvest those funds in some newer, more attractive, more modern housing that hopefully serves your residents well. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other factors I understand with um, not developing these the large scale projects as we used to call them is just how Congress approves funding. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship between the federal government and what happens here locally in Augusta? Absolutely. So uh, we are funded by the federal government. That's where the, the overwhelming majority of our funding comes from through HUD. And on the public housing program, um, HUD has not funded or provided funding for new development of public housing in a very, very, very long time. Um, they provide basically two pots of money to us on the public housing program. One is our operating subsidy, and that's the money that we use to, to run our program. It's money we use to pay the salaries, to pay the electric bill at our office, that sort of thing. Um, and then in addition to that, <clears throat> excuse me, they also provide, in that, they also provide for the subsidy of the rent for the tenants. Um, but the second pot of money they provide is the capital fund. That capital fund is what's used to uh, do renovations and potentially development. But there's not enough money to really do development on that. Uh, but it, it's what maintains, like if a, if a development needs a new roof across the board, uh, then we use those capital funds. If we need to replace windows or uh, repave parking lots, that comes out of those capital funds. And historically, uh, for the past 20 plus years, we've been underfunded on our capital fund. So that means we are unable to keep up with all the capital needs of the, pro uh, of the projects that we have uh, to do. Uh, and so we have to pick and choose what's our priority, basically doing triage on those capital projects. Um, and then every once in a while, HUD will give us a, a kind of an infusion, like uh, 
Uh, about 12 years ago, we got an additional several million dollars and were able to do some renovations that had been put off for a while. And basically keeping us on life support for a while longer while we, we try to maintain those properties to the best of our abilities. So um, what ends up happening though, is that uh, Congress who um, provides those fundings to us tends to not have an appetite for uh, providing those full amounts. So generally what we see is year to year, those, those numbers drop and then it, something will happen and we'll get a big infusion and then slowly it'll get whittled back down again until it, it's below what we need to maintain. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there's something like some uh, $80 billion backlog in uh, housing capital needs across the nation right now. Uh, and that, that's what it would take just to bring everything up to modern standards uh, across the nation. And so until that happens, we have to find uh, innovative ways to, to maintain and manage our properties as well as develop new properties when, it, when it's time to do so. I certainly hope you learned a lot about the Augusta Housing Authority and uh, the role of public housing and trends across the country. Join me next week where we will have part two of this segment. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.